Good morning, Kavanaugh. Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand? Let's sing together. said to me, let's go to church. Amen. Amen. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm glad today. I'm glad that you're here. Welcome to the Lord's house. For those who are watching online, we welcome you as well. You know, that this is more than just a long weekend. Monday is more than just a day off for you. It is a day in which we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be here today doing what we're doing, that's worshiping a living God with the freedom that we have. And so I pray that you would spend this Memorial Day 
in reflection and in thanksgiving for those who gave their life, the more than one million American soldiers who gave that ultimate gift of freedom for us. In fact, Kavanaugh Church, I know tomorrow is Memorial Day, and I pray that you would do that tomorrow. Let's just do it right now. Would you bow your heads, and let's just spend a moment in remembrance and a moment in thanksgiving for those who gave their life so that we could have the freedom we have to be here today. And dear Lord, we do thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that was paid by our brave patriots who gave their life so that we could have the freedom that we have here in America today. Lord, we pray for protection on our current soldiers and those in law enforcement. Lord, help them and be with them and their families as they stand on the front line and give us the freedom we have today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. And if, if you are here today and you have currently or presently served in our military or in law enforcement, would you just stand? If you have served or are serving, would you stand just for a moment? We want to recognize you. Thank you, guys. Look, all over the room, thank you so much for your service. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. And, and let me just remind all the rest of us, we're soldiers too. Huh? in the Lord's army. So stand up and let's worship him with songs this morning.
Aren't you glad your feet are on the rock this morning? Mm. There's a verse in the Bible in Zechariah 4.6. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I love that verse. I've been studying the story of Elijah. And he was a prophet. A prophet of faith and power. And there's a verse in 1 Kings in chapter 19. And even though he was a strong prophet, he had his days, just like we have our days. And he was struggling. And the Lord said unto Elijah, he said, go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. The Lord is passing by. A very strong wind tore through the mountains and broke apart the stones before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound. A very quiet sound still small voice and I went back to that verse not by might nor by power it wasn't the might or the power of the earthquake or the fire it was by his spirit of the stillness of the small voice and that spirit is here this morning. It's the Holy Spirit. He gave us his spirit when he left. He said it was a spirit. It was a comforter. It was a counselor. It was a guidance. This song we're fixing to sing is called Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, you're welcome here this morning. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. He's here, and if you're struggling, just like the, the prophet Elijah, he's here in a still, small voice, and he's speaking to you, not by might nor by power, but by the stillness. Let's praise him this morning in the stillness. Holy Spirit, flood this place.
ask that you would just move among us. Lord, those that are hurting, Father, heal their hurts. Those that are sick, please make them well. Lord, those that don't know you, save their souls. We love you. We praise you, God, for you are worthy. You are holy. You are righteous. We ask that as your word is open this morning, words that would change us, that we would never be the same as we walk out of this building, and that we would reach our communities. We thank you, Father. We love you. We praise you in your name. Amen. Give them a big hand, would you? Appreciate them and their ministry. And uh, it, it certainly is my prayer that uh, as I speak on the outside, the Holy Spirit would speak on the inside right into your heart. Uh, I do have a uh, what I believe to be a very important message and a new series that I'm going to start today, 10 Values for Strong Families. Thousands of years ago, God gave 10 values for family living. They're God's big 10. They're called the 10 commandments. Now, these values, these 10 values are not fads that just come and go. No, they are values that last forever. In fact, they are the bedrock of our western civilization. They are the foundation on which our entire judicial and law system has been built. And we can see that our world, and specifically the United States, is quickly drifting away from these core values that God gave us. So for the next 10 weeks, we're going to look at them and see how these values, God's values, can make a difference not only in our individual lives, but in our family, in our church, and in our nation. Before we get to the Big Ten, let me take a, a stop in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. Here's what God says in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. Never forget these commands that I am giving you. Teach them to your children. So here's what God said about his commandments. Two things. Number one, you need to remember them. Keep them fresh on your mind. Think of them often. And then number two, you need to be the ones who teach these values, these commands, to your children. So remember them and teach them. Got an important question from that. Do your kids and your grandkids know the Ten Commandments? Have you taught your kids the Ten Commandments? How many of you would say this morning, Preacher, I do my best to live by the Ten Commandments, Come on, that's a, I'm throwing up a slow ball for you. You'd say that, wouldn't you? Sure we would. Uh, in fact, I was, I was watching an uh, interview not long ago. This, this guy was out on camera just stopping people randomly, asking them that question, do you believe the Ten Commandments? And if they said yes, he would ask them, do you, do you try to live by the Ten Commandments and keep them? By and large, most people were saying yes, I believe the Ten Commandments, and yes, I'm trying to live by Then he asked the question, can you name them? <laughs> and of course, there was a huge pause there. If you can't name them, how in the world are you living by them, and how are you teaching your children those Ten Commandments? Now, why did God give the Ten Commandments? Well, I can tell you this. He gave us the Ten Commandments not to hurt us, but to help us. Okay? Not to hamper us, but to release us. Not to punish us, he gave them 
to protect us. Now, I want to remind you, they are not the ten suggestions. No, they are the ten commandments, and they're not optional. God said, you do these things, and you're going to be okay in your life. In fact, I'm going to bless your life. But if you don't do these things, you've really messed up, and you're going to have to pay the price for it. So I'm going to lay the foundation for a strong family. Today we're going to look at the foundation for building a strong family. And it is the very first commandment that God gave in Exodus chapter 20. Now the order of the Ten Commandments was not given haphazardly. They they are not by accident. God intended for the first one to be the first one because it's the most important one. And if you don't get this first commandment, man, you're just you're out in center field and you've just you've just messed everything up. So he gave them in order for a purpose and the first one is the first one for a very good reason. Are you ready for it? It's found in Exodus chapter 20 verse 2. And I'm going to ask that you stand up as you give reverence to God's word and I want you to read this verse with me. Are you ready? Exodus 20, verse 2. Here we go. You shall have no other gods before me, period. You can sit down now. You shall have no other gods before, unless you want to stand up for the rest of the sermon. You want to do that? There you go. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate you, man. Now, there is a principle contained in this commandment, and the principle is real simple. Put God first. That's what he means by this first command. You shall have no other gods before me. The principle is put God first. In my life and in my family and in our country, God must be first. God says, I demand top priority in your life. God says, I am not going to play second fiddle to anyone or anything. He has to be number one. Now, why does God deserve to be number one in your life? Well, I think for two reasons. Number one, because he made you. (laughs) In fact, you would not be here today had God not made you. You're special to him. And so, because he made you, he needs to be number one in your life. Second reason is, everything you have, everything that you call your own, all your possessions, your family, your kids, your grandkids, all the stuff you have comes from God. It's really God's stuff, and he's just allowing you to have it. So it's all his. He demands to be first place in your life. Now, what does it mean to have no other gods before me? That word gods is written with a small g. I call it the little g God, right? It's not the big g because there's only one big g God, and he sits on the universe the throne of the universe. He is our God, our creator, our sustainer of life. No, this God that he talks about having no other gods before me, the big God, is a little g God. What in the world is he talking about? What is a God? Well, a God is anything that dominates your life, anything that controls your life. Whatever is first place in your life is your God. So can a career be a God? Absolutely it can. Can another person be a God? Can playing golf be a God? How about scrapbooking? You better believe it can. Even good things that God has created for us to enjoy become gods when we put them first place in our life. So the principle here is this foundation. The foundation is Put God first. Now, I don't have to tell you that today in America, families are dropping like flies. Families are falling apart faster than we can put them back together. And you've got to wonder, why is it that so many families and marriages are crumbling? I believe that the main reason is they have been built on the wrong foundation. Okay? We sang about that just a moment ago. Jesus is the rock. He's the foundation we need to build our lives and our families on. 
And I don't care how much money you pour into your family, it is built on sinking sand if it's not built on this principle of putting God first in your life and your family. God's got to be first. He must be first place. And that is the principle. Did you know that every time God gives a principle, he also gives a promise? And so the principle with this first commandment, put God first, is coupled with this promise found in Proverbs chapter 3. Notice what verse 6 says. In everything you do. So what is it you do? Everything. In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you, and he will crown your efforts with success. So very simple, you put God first, God promises to do two things. Number one, he's going to give direction and guidance to your life. And number two, he is going to crown everything that you have done, putting God first place with success. Now those of you who have been around here a long time know that I'm not one of these success-oriented preachers. But let me tell you, I want to be successful, don't you? I want to be successful in what God has made me to be and to do. I think that's natural. We want to be a success. And here's the guarantee for success in your life. If you want to be successful, put God first. And when you put God first, God is going to bless that. He's going to crown it with success. So wherever you want God to bless, you put God first in that area of your life. And God is going to bless it with success. Now, I don't know what you want God to bless in your life. I can tell you. Here's what I want God to bless in my life more than anything else is my family. Because my family is the most important thing to me. And so for my family to be a success, I've got to make sure that God is first place in every aspect of my family. So that brings me to point number two. How do I put God first? How do I do it? What does it mean to put God first? We can all say, oh yeah, God's first place in my life. Really? I mean, really, is he? Really? Proof's in the pudding. That's something Barney Fife would say, I think. So. Proof's in the pudding. So let's just, let's just see if God really is first place in your life. I'm going to use that word first, F-I-R-S-T. Spell it with me. F-I-R-S-T as an acrostic. And we're going to use each one of those letters to name something that, you know what, if God really is first place in my life, he's going to be first place in this area of my life. Are you with me? You know what I'm doing here? So let's spell out the word first and let's see if God's really first place in your life. Number one, is God first place in F, your finances? Oh, preacher, come on, dude. Are you serious? You've spent the last two months talking about money and finances. Give me a break. I don't want to hear it anymore. Well, let me tell you, God is very plain about this. He knows that money is the number one thing that we work for. And if he's not first place in your finances, then let me tell you, he ain't first place in your life. Notice with me what he says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns to overflow. You honor God by giving him the first part of all your income, and he promises that he's going to bless you. God says, give me the first part back, and then I'm going to bless all of the rest. God has said in his word over and over again that money is the number one test of your priorities. And you got you to agree, it, it really is. We spend most of our time and most of the hours in our day trying to make money and save money and spend money. Really, our lives revolve around money. And God says that your checkbook reveals what is really important to you. Not what you say is important, but how you spend the stuff you spend all of your time trying to make. That's what says what's really important in your life. Now, how many of y'all are like me, kind of old-fashioned, and still have a checkbook that you write checks out of? Raise your hand. Come on. 
Very, yeah, there's a few of you, not very many. You know, none of my kids have a checkbook. In fact, they don't even know what a check looks like, I don't think, because everything they, they do is online. But you, here's what they do have. They have their account on their phones, and they can just pull it up. And, and so, like, it's a, it's a check registry. It's just not written. It's, 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 it's on their little device. You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, right? So what if I said this morning, take out either your checkbook or your device, your phone, pull up your app where your account is, and whether it's your account or your checkbook, hand it to the person next to you that is not a family member of yours and let them take a look at it. Some of you are perspiring really bad right now because you think I'm going to make you, I'm not going to really make you do that. But you know what? It says volumes about you. Somebody who doesn't even really know you well can tell a whole lot about you just by how you spend your money. The way you spend your money says what's really important in your life. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. Here's what God says. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first in your life. That's the purpose he gave tithing. You say, what's tithing? Well, tithing is giving God the first 10% of what you make back to him. It is your act of worship to him. Some people say, well, why 10%? I don't know. He just said 10%. He could have said 5% or 50%. He said 10%. He said, you give me 10% back, and I will know that you're love me and that I am first place in your life. The purpose of tithing, giving God the 10%, is, is simply to teach you to put God first place in your life. So every Sunday morning, before I, I, first thing I do on Sunday morning is I get out my old checkbook and I write out my tithe check, Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church, and I write the amount and I put down at the bottom, now I'm putting Ronnie, Ronnie at the bottom, I put how much for tithe and how much for It's Our Turn Building Fund. And I just combine them together on the same check. But I do that every week. Now, maybe you only get paid once a month and you only give a, a tithe check once a month. That, that's fine. But for me, I've got to do it every week because I get off track real easy. I'm like, rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. It's hard for me to maintain focus. You like that? And so every week I need this simple reminder that, you know what? God has blessed me with a good job and good pay, and that money is not really my money. It's God's money. God is first place in my money because God's first place in my life. You say to me, and, and, and I've had people say this. I've been doing this a long time. And I've had a lot of people say something like this to me. You know, preacher, our family is in a financial mess right now, and I just can't afford to tithe. I don't know of any clearer, simpler advice to give you as a pastor that loves you and cares for you than to say, if that's what you're saying to me, than to say back to you, if you're in a financial mess right now, Step number one in getting out of that mess is to put God first place in your finances. You start doing what God has said to do, and God is going to bless you. You honor God with the first part of your income, and he's going to fill up your barns to overflow. Amen? Remember the promise given back in Proverbs chapter 3? In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you, and he will crown your effort with success. So i got to ask you, is God first place in your life? Your finances will prove it. I. You, you ready to get off finances? Okay. Let's go to the letter I. What does it stand for? What about this? Your interests. If God's really going to be number one in your life, you've got to put him first in the things that you're interested in, the things that you're passionate about. It, it means in my fun times, my play times, my amusements, my recreation, my hobbies, my sports, my pastimes. Is God really first place in all that you do? Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He says, and whatever you do, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So in whatever you're doing, you do it for God's glory. 
And that makes him number one in whatever it is that you're doing. Last night I was, I was reading through this and thinking about it, and all of a sudden it, my, my mind just lit up, and I thought about one of my favorite movies that I've ever watched, and, and I did a little research, and man, it was surprising. This movie was made like 40 years ago. <laughs> you know, where does time go? It's Chariots of Fire. Anybody know Chariots of Fire? Great movie. If you haven't watched it, go, go find it and watch it. it. It's about the 1924 Olympics. And Eric Little of Scotland was a, was a great athlete, a great runner. He was also a Christian. And he knew that God made him to be a missionary to China. And eventually he would end up in China. In fact, he died in China as a missionary. But in the 1924 Olympics, because Eric was such a strong believer in Jesus Christ and, and held to the commandments of God so closely that he forfeited the race that he was expected to win. You know why? They were going to run it on Sunday. And he says, I'm, I'm not going to dishonor the Lord by running on the Lord's day. And so he opted out of that event, and he, instead he ran in another event that he hadn't even trained in. But God blessed him, and he not only won it, he set a new world's record in it. Great story, great story. What a man of faith. In the movie, there is a scene where he's talking to his sister, Jenny. And Jenny thought running was foolish. She, she kept telling Eric, you, you need to grow up and quit running and go do what God made you to do, and that is to be a missionary in China. And in this little clip, which actually happened, it was a conversation between Eric and Jenny in real life. Here's what he said to his, his, his sister. He said, I believe God made me for a purpose. And yes, that purpose is to go to China, and I'm going to go to China. But before that, I've got a lot of running to do. Because God made me fast. I'm liking this. And he said to Jenny, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Now, when I first heard that 40 years ago on the big screen, I thought, what? what you... When he runs, he feels the pleasure of God. And then I had three kids. Now, all three of my kids are great kids. They're all blessed, talented. They get all their good stuff from their mama. My middle daughter, ever since she was a little girl, here's what we said about Callie. Number one, we believe Callie was gifted and smart by God. Not only is she really smart, she would argue with a tree stump. <laughs> and win the argument. So now she's, she's, she's trying to become, a, she thinks she's going to be a lawyer now. And I think, well... God bless those that she argues with. They don't have a chance, you know. But we would say Callie is really smart, but here's what we'd also say. Ever since she was just a little bitty girl, God made her fast. She was such a fast runner. Even, even in, out here in the daycare, when all the kids would start running, she'd just zoom past them. And, and Gary, she'd just grow up and kept getting faster and faster. I'll tell you how fast Callie was. Her, her sophomore, junior, and senior year at Greenwood High School, she won both all three years the 6A state championship in the 300 women's hurdles. Three, she's a three-peat. Now, come on, guys. That's pretty impressive, you know? That's pretty cool. She's just, she's just fast, you know? And I can remember watching her run all of these races these three years. And in one year in particular, we were in Russellville, state championship, Angie and the whole family were down there, and I got up to the very top of the bleachers because I wanted to record it and, and scream and yell. And, and I can remember like it was yesterday, watching my little blonde-headed girl out there running that, that race, those 300-meter hurdles, and just whipping the fire out of everybody out there. And you know what? I felt like my heart was going to explode. It brought me pleasure to watch her do what God made her do and I even started crying my heart was so filled and you know what here's what I believe I believe when when we do what God made us to do whatever it is even if I'm out cowboy shooting if I'm doing it for the glory of God I think it brings God pleasure just like Callie doing what God made her do brought me pleasure it brings God pleasure when you do what he in whatever you do you do it for the glory of God. 
and that puts him first place in your life. You know, you, you can tell what a person's priorities are by seeing what they get excited about, right? I mean, what gets you excited? That's what's important to you. Now, I can go to a Razorback game. Let me just sit back here. Aren't the baseball boys doing pretty good? Man, they are absolutely on fire. And I don't know if you watched the game yesterday. Who, who did it for him pitching? That old Greenwood kid. You know, Connor Nolan. Yeah, it came through for us. Man, I can go to a Razorback game and I can jump up and down and scream and holler. And you know what you'd call me? A fan. I'm excited about that. But yet I come in here, go to some other place, and I jump up and down and scream for the Lord. You know what you call me? A fanatic. But bring it on, man. Call me whatever you want to call me. I'm going to get excited about what is passionate in my soul. And if Jesus is first place in my life, I'm going to get excited about Jesus. What do you talk about the most? Well, I know people who can talk for hours on end about nothing. Do you know those people? Or they can talk about other people's lives, but they couldn't talk three minutes about the Lord. You know, the Bible teaches us to talk with each other much about the Lord. If he's first in our life, you're going to make God a part of your conversation, whoever it is you're talking about. You won't be ashamed to talk about him. Why? Because he's first place in your life. How do I know God is first place in my heart? Well, it's proven in my finances, in my interest, and then are in my relationships. If you want God first in your life, you're going to have to choose your friends carefully. Notice what Proverbs 27 says. What a man is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Why is that? What does who my friends are have anything to do with God being first in my life? Well, it's because you become like the people you spend the most time with. And if you spend the most time with people who take God lightly, you're going to become a very casual believer. On the other hand, if you spend your time with people who are committed to God and they are committed to God's word, then I guarantee you, you're going to become a stronger, committed Christian. Whoever you spend time with, that's what you're going to be like. Now, let me break that down even further than this. Those of you who are parents and you're raising kids in your home right now, let me ask you, who or what type of people are you exposing your kids to? I mean, who is it that you're inviting into your house? And when you have somebody come over to your house, you're saying to your kids, I value this person. You need to value them as well. And if you're serious about building strong values in your children, then you ought to be inviting people to your house from this church that you love and respect and you want your kids to model. Let me tell you something. If you don't do that, they're going to find their own models. And, and generally, it won't be the right ones. What about Proverbs chapter 11 or 12, verse 26? It says, a righteous man is careful about his friendships. That is, he's cautious. The truth is, if you really want God first in your life, there are some relationships that are just absolutely wrong for you to have. Now, let me just stop right here, gather you back. Don't, don't let me lose you. I believe we need to be friends to the sinners. You can't completely isolate yourself and not have any relationship with people who are unchurched or unsaved because we're on mission with God. And God wants us to connect with people who are outside of his will. If you don't connect with them and love them and lead them to Jesus, who's going to? So we must become friends with those who are unsaved. That's not what I'm talking about here. What we're talking about here are the people that you're the closest to, the people who are your best friends, the people you allow on the inside of your life. I've seen many times a dynamic, committed, sold-out Christian get wooed away from Christ 
because they involve themselves in relationships that are not good for them. They get wooed away by a person who doesn't share Christian values. So choose your friends carefully. Let me tell you, it's always easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. So put him first in your relationship. How do I know God is first place in my life? Well, he's first in my finances. He's first in my interests. He's first in my relationships. And then S. Aren't we on S? He's first in my schedule. Ephesians 5, 16 and 17. It says, make the most of your time. Other translations say, redeem the time. Because you know what? We don't have much time left. Have you looked in the mirror lately? And I don't think this country has much time left either. Okay? So make the most of your time. Grasp firmly what you know to be the will of God. How do I put God first in my schedule? Let me just quickly throw out three suggestions to you. Number one, when you make up, wake up in the morning, make out your to-do list. How, how many of you do a to-do list? Let me see your, come on. Any, you know, that's the problem. You're not making a to-do list, right? You, you need a to Even if you're retired, you need a to-do list. Something that you can do, check it off. That's the way God made us, okay? So you make out your to-do list. And then you take that list and lay it on the table and give it to God. Say, Lord, there are 17 things on my to-do list today. And I know there's not enough hours in the day to get everything done. But dear Lord, I want to do the most important things. So out of those 17 things, Lord, you help me make sure we get the most important things done. I'm going to schedule my life around your will. David, here's what I pray every morning. Lord, I pray that, that your will for my life is accomplished today. I know you've written it down in heaven. God's perfect will for my life for today is already written in heaven. Lord, help me to flesh that out on earth. Help me to do the most important things. So you got it? Give the most important things to him. Say, Lord, help me do what you want done today. Number two, make a daily appointment with God. Now, it doesn't matter when that is, but you need daily quiet time with God. For me, it's early in the morning. I've got to start my day off the right way. And I usually end my day with another quiet time with the Lord. But you know what? If God is really number one in my life, I'm going to give him some time. Oh, preacher, you just don't know how busy I am. I just don't have time. You know, we waste so much time. You've got time to do what's really important for you. So make an appointment with God. And then suggestion number three, when you sit down to eat as a family, say a prayer of thanks. If you've got kids and grandkids around the table, say a prayer. It doesn't have to be a long prayer, but it is a visual demonstration to your kids that God is first place in your life, and you take God seriously. So pray and give him thanks. How do I know if God is first in my life? Well, I make him first in my finances in my interests, in my relationships, in my schedule. And here we are with that last letter that you've been waiting on, T. I make God first place in my troubles, in my troubles. When you face unexpected troubles and problems and pressures, when you have a crisis, what do you turn to? God says, turn to me. When you've got troubles, turn to me. Now, many people, when they're in a tight spot, prayer is the last resort, not the first option. Are you like that? You do everything physically that you can do to fix the problem, and then when you can't fix the problem, you say, well, I guess all we can do now is pray, <laughs> like it's really hopeless. Let me tell you, prayer should not be your last resort. Prayer should be your first option. Come on, man. That was good. Not your last resort, your first option. Amen. This brings up an interesting point. How do you know when God is first in your life? How do I know if God really is first place in my life? You stop worrying. You see, worry is simply a warning light that God is not first place in my life at this exact moment. When God is not first place in any of these areas of my life, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to worry about them. When God is not first place in my finances, guess what I'm going to be doing about my finances? I'm going to be worrying about them. If God is not first place in my relationships, then I'm going to be worrying about my relationships. If God is not first place in my troubles, then I'm going to spend all day stewing over these problems. And if God is not first place in my schedule, I'm going to spend 24 hours a day spinning my wheels worrying. But when I stop and do a priority check, when I stop and say, God, you be number one in this area. You handle it. You're in charge. Guess what I can do then? I can take a deep breath and relax because the king of the universe is taking care of my problem. Wow. I remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, his Sermon on the Mount. Remember what Jesus said? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, he said, put God first in every area of your life. And then all of these things that we spend our time worrying about, God is going to add to them and take care of them. Did you know that Jesus said that right smack dab in the middle of a sermon on worry? It's the antidote to worry. You want to be free from worry? Put God first in your life. That's it. So if you want to build a successful life and if you want to have a strong family... You've got to have the right foundation. And what is the right foundation? Putting God first. So I'm going to challenge every one of you who are here today, and even those watching online, I'm going to challenge you to make this a, a, a public decision. That yes, I am not ashamed of Jesus, I'm not ashamed of God's word, and I want God to be first place in my life. Really, first place in my finances, in my interest, in my relationships, in my schedule, and even in my troubles, I want God to be first place. And so, Lord, I'm just going to give everything to you. I'm going to stop worrying about it, and I'm going to put you in charge of my life. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us do that today. Right now, dear Lord, during this time of invitation, help us to put you first place in our life. I pray, dear Lord, that we would do this individually by coming to the altar and laying our bodies on the altar and committing everything to you. Lord, I pray that families would come to the altar today, that dads would have the courage to bring their wife and their kids and just kneel at the altar and put you first place in their life, in their home, and in their family. Lord, I pray that we would do that as a church, and I pray that that would bleed over into our country. Lord, may today you be Lord of all in our lives and our families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. And as God speaks to you and calls you by name, would you come? Parents, bring your kids to the altar. Families, come and pray. Make God first place in your life today. As they sing, why don't you come and pray?
Spirit, we do pray that uh, you would speak to our hearts. I pray, dear God, that we would put you first place in our life. Lord, bless our families. I lift up every family of Kavanaugh Church, who, whoever makes up that individual family unit. I pray for each one, dear Lord. Help us to put God first in our homes, our families. Lord, restore our families. Bless our families. I pray, dear Lord, that we would make sure you are first place in this church. In every ministry and everything we do, may it bring praise, honor, and glory to you. And dear Lord, I still believe there's hope for America. I pray that you'd bless our country. Help us to get back on the foundation of the values that you've set in place. Help us to value the things that you value. Bless our country. Give us revival, Lord. Bless everyone in this room. I pray that you're first in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. big amen. Amen. Well, you know what? These may not be the best sermons you've ever heard or will ever hear, but they are needed sermons. And so come back next week. Guess which, guess which commandment we're going to be on next week? Number two. Number two. There you go. So good. Y'all are so smart. Ah, love you guys. Hey, uh, before you leave today, make sure you drop your offering off in that little black box. Uh, also tonight, because of the long weekend, we will not have Bible study, so no Bible study tonight. We will come back together on Wednesday and uh, worship the Lord. A lot of things going on on Wednesday night for all age groups. Make sure you get plugged in. The offices, church offices, will be closed Thursday and Friday of this week. Uh, also, our children's center is going to be closed. Why? Because they're shutting off the power. They're giving us new power, yeah. pulling a new power line in. And so for two days, we will have no power. You pray that they get the power back on before next Sunday, all right? Because that's kind of what I'm a little concerned about. But you, you pray with me that that happens, and, and I know it's going to. Uh, right after the service today, uh, Brother Nathan and Brother Johnny are going to be taking our uh, soon-to-be sixth graders, those who have graduated from fifth grade into sixth grade, for a party. They do this every year, Transition Sunday. And so if you've got kids in that age group, make sure they hook up with uh, Johnny and Nathan. Uh, they told me what they're going to do, but I can't remember because I'm too old to remember things anymore. But it's going to be fun. Spartan? Battle? It's Spartan? Really? Theme party, whatever, yeah. Obstacle course. Anybody know what we're talking about? Okay, yeah, all right. You know what? I think they're going to have fun. Can I tell you, I'm glad it's them and not me. No. I think I'd like to be going to that. Also, on Tuesday morning, early Tuesday morning, our missions team is going to Randall University to do some physical labor. I know that it's been on the screen. They're leaving at 7, uh, but there's, there's some older people wanting to go on that trip, so they've moved the time to 6, all right? I'm just joking about that, but they really, it's the truth, I think. So they are leaving at 6 o'clock. Pray for them as they go. Also, pray for Eli. Uh, Y'all know Eli's going on a mission trip. He's on the road right now. They left yesterday driving nonstop from Conway to Boston, 25-hour trip on the road. So pray for joy, okay? Pray for joy. Hey, I love you so much. God bless you. Have a great day. Remember to pray for each other. Peggy Hall, uh, one of our dear members, is in ICU at Spark or Baptist Hospital. Make sure you pray for Peggy today, all right? God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you.